Imputed Podcast starts right now. What's going on, everybody? This is indeed the Asmund and Butik Show podcast, Football Frenzy, week number nine. And we're looking forward to it. The Jets, they stink. We know. We spoke to Rich Semini earlier in the week. So for those who haven't heard that show, make sure you check it out. We had a chance to talk with him for about 10 minutes, I'd say, about the Jets' struggles and, of course, that joke of a John Isaac press conference. But enough about the Jets, Dan. We enter week eight with a lot of good divisional matchups, some really good primetime games, and, of course... It's going to come down to the pigskin pickums as it is every week on the show. The pigskin pickums, it should be a lot of fun, but a lot of great matchups, you know, that could have playoff implications on the line as we uh, approach, uh, as we wind down the last four or five weeks of the NFL season. So, once again, just to give everyone an idea of how this show is going to work, we're going to break down all the matchups in this segment coming right up. Of course, we'll have our Jets Giants breakdown segment. The pigskin pickums, Jake Chernock's four downs, and as we've been doing now every show, the buy or sell segment where we'll. We'll have a couple topics where we will be discussing, of course, and at the end of the show, you know how it works by now. The Pigs can pick them. We'll pick our five games. We'll give the standings once again, but we'll give everyone a preview right now. Entering week nine, I am 17 and 13 on the season. Dan is 16 and 14, and we both had some. We both had a pretty rough week a week ago. We both went two and three, so obviously a lot of room for improvement right there. As that, we da- had. that Dallas game killed us. The Dallas game did kill us, and. You know, the Jets obviously burned me once again. The burned I, you. I can't you pick, pick them. them. Can't yeah. pick them anymore. So we'll get to all the picks later on in the program as we do every single Football Frenzy podcast. But once again, before we get started, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Asmenbutik Show. You can like us on Facebook, of course, at the Asmenbutik Show. And finally, make sure you can follow our personal accounts, at Dan Butik, at Jake Asman, our producer, Jake Chernock, Chernock one He's on Twitter as well, so there's the social media plug, but let's get right into it because, as we mentioned, a lot of good football games. This one, not particularly that great, but we'll start off with it. The Buccaneers in Cleveland take it on the Browns. Buccaneers in Cleveland take on the Browns. Cleveland, I mean, it's been interesting to see how Hoyer's played. He's done a nice job. The Buccaneers have really been a wreck at 1-6. and six. It's been. They started out. They're bringing Glennon in at quarterback. They really don't know what's going on. Lovey Smith's had a very tough time. Their defense has not been as good as a lot of people thought it would be coming into the season. I agree with you, Dan. We talked about this on a lot of shows. How the Tampa Bay Bucks were that team that everybody was picking. However, right now they're at one and six. You mentioned their defense isn't as great as everyone thought it was. And you look at this, their defense. They're currently ranked last in the NFL at thirty-two. So you know how bad that defense has been. They have the worst statistical defense in the league. And their offense, also 32. So it's amazing the team actually has a win. They're 1-6 right now, and they and they rank the worst in both of those statistical categories for their offense and defense, respectively. Yeah, Absolutely. They haven't played well. But when you look, like you said, on the other side of the Cleveland Browns, I've been pleasantly surprised at 4-3. and three. The Cleveland Browns are a lot better than I thought they'd be. I did not think Brian Hoyer would be able to play this. I did, if you asked me at the beginning of the season, you know, week 8 and nine, week eight or 9, would Brian Hoyer be the starting quarterback of the Browns? I probably would have said no. I think we debated on the show in week 1 that we said that probably we by week, week 4. Week yeah. 4, Johnny yeah. Manziel would be the starter. So you got to credit Brian Hoyer because he's been playing very well. However, do I think he has a long-term future in Cleveland? No, he does not. But... You know he's trying to go somewhere else where he can have a long-term He's playing future. for a contract right now, so uh, kudos to him. Yeah, you know, he's done exactly you know all you can ask for if you're a Browns fan, and hopefully at the end of the day this is helping Johnny Menzel develop learning from a, a veteran like Brian Hoyer because, once again, Hoyer's played very well, and, Dan, you mentioned it, this Cleveland team is sitting at 4-3, and three, still alive in their division hunt. We'll get to that a little bit later when we talk about the AFC North because you have really three good football teams, and the Browns have really impressed as well as that fourth team 
in the division. So let's move on to another 1 o'clock matchup here. A very good game, in fact. The Cardinals are going to be in Dallas taking on the Cowboys. Cardinals are 6-1. and one. We're going to have more on the Cardinals in the buy or sell segment. But the Cardinals are 6-1. and one. Carson Palmer has come back from injury, and he's played very well. You know how good this defense is. And then you look at Dallas. What happened on Monday night? They lose Tony Romo for a little bit. He comes back, is not able to get him over the hump and win that football game. They're playing the Redskins, and they lose Monday night when everyone was talking about Dallas, at Dallas about you know really taking that next step towards being arguably the best team in the NFC. And we talk about Dallas every week. They came into Monday night at 6-1. and one. It was kind of like, oh, is this Dallas Cowboy team for real? You know, everyone's jumping on the Cowboy bandwagon, and what happened? They absolutely laid an egg. That's a game they should have won. Uh, the Redskins were down to their third-string quarterback in Colt McCoy. And Colt, granted, played a good game, but this was a game Dallas should have won on their home field, and, and they just didn't do it. And you wonder if this is going to be the game that springs maybe a couple of losses here and there, and next thing you know, the Cowboys are not in first place in that division. Is that is Was this game Monday night that kind of loss that, that, that springs you into a couple of losses in a row? Well, That's time, a big question. Time will certainly tell, but the Cardinals come in once again at 6-1. and one. They've been playing great football all season long. Their defense is unbelievable. They're very good at um, attacking teams offensively with Larry Fitzgerald and Carson Palmer. Once again, got to give him credit because I'm not very big on him, but second straight season he's been in Arizona and the second straight year he's played very well. So they come in playing outstanding football, and then you have the Cowboys that we just talked about losing a tough one to the Redskins, and if they lose to the Cardinals, that's now two straight. Does it start to snowball a little that's, bit? You have to wonder. That's what you have to wonder is, was Monday night the type of loss that gets things going in the wrong direction for the Dallas Cowboys? Because we've seen this happen so many times over the last four or five years for Tony Romo and this Dallas Cowboy team. The big question is, where will they be when we get into the, the, the latter part of this season? De- December, a month from now, where will they be? That's a big question. And how will they play? On the other side, you mentioned the Arizona Cardinals. Carson Palmer has really played great. This is his second straight year really developing into the system, and he's done a great job. I mean, they put a real shellacking last week uh, offensively. So I, you got to like what you see if you're the Arizona Cardinals. Six and one, I, I, you know, Bruce Arians done a great job with that team. I was going to say, Bruce Arians' offense has been outstanding in in Arizona, he's I mean, really they, done a nice job. they won 11 games last they year, won, missed the playoffs. They won 11 games last year, missed the playoffs. A lot of people were like, not really sure on them coming in. They are proven they could be a sleeper team to really advance far into the playoffs if they get in. Well, it really depends on, obviously, the play of the quarterback and, obviously, matchups. But right now, the Cardinals, sitting at 6-1, and one, have a good chance of winning that division in the NFC West. They're actually two games in front of the San Fran and Seattle right now. We and both who, know that who, those teams have struggled. Who would have thought that you have an Arizona Cardinals team ahead of the defending champions who's had a lot of turmoil going on the last couple of weeks, it seems like. And then talking about the Cowboys for a second, we mentioned Tony Romo earlier in the show that he went down Monday night. He's probably going to be a game-time decision. And Jerry Jones said a lot of it depends on how he could deal with playing with pain. And when you have a 34-year-old quarterback coming off back surgery who injures his back in a game – and then comes back in, you have to wonder, is that the right move, putting him back in? What are the long-term ramifications for that type of decision? But at the end of the day, if Tony Romo does not play and you're starting Brandon Whedon, I find it very hard to believe that the Cardinals are going to lose to Dallas. I don't care where the game is. No, I absolutely agree. I think Tony Romo's a must in this game, and you worry about Tony Romo. He's had a bad back. He's had a couple of surgeries over the last couple of years. You worry if he goes down, is Brandon Whedon a guy you could realistically realistically rely on as a backup to, to win you football games? I mean, he's never shown he could win in the NFL before, going back to his days in Cleveland. So I, I don't know if he's the type of backup you want to bring in if, if Romo goes down for a long term. 
Eagles at the Texans. The Eagles come in 5-2. and two. They're coming off their bye week. A lot of people down on Nick Foles, and we discussed it last show. I don't get it. Nick Foles, I think he's played very well this season. I think he's still adjusting to a new system. He's only in his second full year as the starting quarterback. Really his first full year because he came on in the middle of last season once Michael Vick got hurt and never gave the job back to Vick. And then you look at the Texans. They're 4-4. Four and four. They've been up and down throughout the course of the season. But they have J.J. Watt, they have a good pass rush, and that's what you need against a Chip Kelly-styled offense. That's what you need, and it, it all depends. Is Fitzpatrick going to come out ready to play this week, or is he going to play like he played a couple weeks ago when they took on the Pittsburgh Steelers in the second half? I mean, they were abysmal in the second half offensively. And so I actually like this matchup for the Texans because they're fourth in the league right now in running the football. The Eagles' defense is only 14th in stopping the run, so they're about average out of 32 teams. Aaron Foster could have a good day. And once again, when you play teams that like to run down the field and have these high-octane offense, get the playoff quick and run a lot of different plays, a lot of different sequences, running the football by keeping the opponent's team, the opponent's offense off the field, we've seen it with the Jets against Brady over the years, that goes a long way. And if the Texans can run the football effectively with Foster, and once again, Dan, you mentioned Fitzpatrick, if he doesn't implode and he plays an efficient game, I can see the Texans at home winning this football game. It's a very winnable game for Houston, but like I said, defensively, how are they going to put up against a very stout, uh, against a, uh, an offense that historically puts up a lot of points in the Philadelphia Eagles? So that's the big question in my eyes. How is the Texans defense going to match up against this Philadelphia Eagles offense and their running game? Are we going to see McCoy get back into the mix? Remember, last couple of weeks, we haven't seen a lot of Shady McCoy on the ground game. They've been airing it out a lot more, and it's cost them in a couple of losses. So it should be interesting to see how Philadelphia comes out and how they choose to attack this Texans defense. Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be in Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. The Jaguars, they're awful. I mean, let's be honest here. They're 1-7. Their only win came over Cleveland two weeks ago. And then the Bengals, 4-2-1. They're obviously that team in the AFC North that's competing with Pittsburgh, that's competing with Baltimore, and to some extent still the Cleveland Browns. Cincinnati needs to win this football they game. They can't lose this they game. Can't, they can't afford to lose. I think we got to leave it at that. The Jacksonville's not a good football team, and the Bengals, who are trying to compete for a division title, can't afford a loss to the Jaguars at home. I agree. They cannot afford a loss to the Jaguars at home. This is And, and it's so funny, because every time we talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, I think I might have mentioned this a couple weeks ago on the show, are they for real? Are they not? They get into the playoffs. They haven't done anything in the playoffs. You know, If they really want to be a serious contender— they need to get into the playoffs and do something there. But this is a game where if they want to get into the playoffs this year, you got to win. You got to be the team that's at one and seven. We've seen a decent. We've seen a little bit out of Blake Bortles, but this is a game they should win. This is a game they should win handily on your home field in Cincinnati. I mean, if they lose this game, it's very tough for me to look at this look at this team and say they're serious contenders. And I don't think they will. They're big. They're big heavy point favorites. I think they win this football. I mean, game. Jacksonville's terrible. Jacksonville's they're, awful. They're they don't have team. a defense. Yeah, they're 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 horrendous. I mean, let's leave it at that. Chargers at the Dolphins. Philip Rivers. Coming in off two straight losses. The Chargers were at 5-1. and one. Now they're at 5-3. and three. They lost to the Chiefs. And then last Thursday night, we all saw it. They lost to Peyton and the Broncos at mile high. And the Dolphins, they're kind of a question mark in my opinion. We don't really know what they are. They're at 4-3 and three right now. We never know what type of team is going to show up when you're the Miami Dolphins. They have really good games where they look like a legitimate team that can compete. Like week one against the Patriots when they manhandled them at home. And then there's games where they just don't show up and they look awful and they commit a lot of penalties, make a lot of stupid plays defensively, like we saw against the Packers, a game they should have won. They let Aaron Rodgers go right down the field at the end. The fake spike, everything that happened in that game, we really saw the worst of the you know, we really saw the the worst part about the Dolphins exposed during that game. And now San Diego comes in off two straight losses. 
San Diego comes in on two uh, two straight losses, and I think San, this matchup, San Diego's offense, the way they play, is a good matchup for them against the Miami Dolphins' defense. The Miami Dolphins haven't done a good job protecting the outsides, and what does Phillip Rivers love to do? He loves to float it in over the top. Loves to float it in over the top, loves to shove it down the middle, loves to shove it up your throat, throwing the football across the field. So I, I think this is a good matchup for San Diego against the Miami Dolphin defense. And as far as the Dolphins offensively are concerned, I'm not sold Ryan Tannehill's the guy for them at quarterback, but he's played nicely this year. And But if they want to be serious contenders, you know, four, at losing this game 4-4, four and four, this would be a nice win for them at home. Well, Tannehill was so bad in one of the games early on this season that they Joe Philbin, the head coach, said, we don't know who our quarterback is the following week. We all knew they were going to still go with Tannehill, but... I mean, he played to a point where the coach couldn't guarantee him. a starting They almost spot. benched yeah. him. So, uh, but San Diego's a real good team. I, I've been so impressed with Phillip Rivers the last two years. I really have. I think Phillip Rivers has developed into a, a great quarterback as opposed to a good quarterback. He's really you know, learned how to throw to different receivers. He's, he, you can make the argument he's been one of the best quarterbacks in football this year. Well, right now, San Diego coming in up two straight losses. They're going to need Rivers to step up and get them a win. Because once you start to lose, you know, three, it starts, you, yeah. you, you or always, seven, you, <laughs> <laughs> or seven, you always worry about the uh, the snowball effect. So I, I look for the Chargers. Point. I'm going to pick last this game week was later a tough on. Loss. Yeah, tough it was loss very tough last loss. Week. And losing to the Chiefs didn't help either because you knew they were probably weren't going to be Denver on a short week at. At, on the road because once again it's getting to the Thursday night games for a second we see that the home team has such a big advantage in a short week such a big advantage. so you know especially playing the Broncos a divisional team that knows you very well that has your number over the years not that surprising to me that the Chargers did not win that game so they're gonna have to bounce back in Miami and now another game the final one o'clock game of week nine the Redskins at the Vikings and how about the Redskins their blitz got to Romo and Brandon Whedon several times in that Monday night win the Redskins sitting at 3-5, and five, taking on the 3-5 and five Vikings. Teddy Bridgewater has been up and down throughout the course of the season. I kind of like the Redskins in this game. I'm going to pick this game a little later, but I was very impressed with how the Redskins played. I don't necessarily think that Dallas lost that game Monday night. I think the Redskins won that game. I agree. I think the Redskins played a great game, and I, Colt McCoy played really, really well. He was efficient. He didn't turn over the football, and what's the key to winning on the road? You don't turn over the football, and that's what Colt McCoy did. They didn't turn it over, and he is really... You know, impressing. You remember, he's playing for a job. He's playing for a contract at the end of the season, and he's done a nice job. You know, in one start against on the road against a six and one uh, Cowboy team, like we talked about, Minnesota three and five. I've seen it's like a lot of rookie quarterbacks up and down from Bridgewater. He's shown a lot of good signs, but I, I think he he's going to be good. But this is going to be a tough game for them to win. I think Washington is coming in with a lot of momentum after that win. Well, one of the things that worries me when you have a rookie quarterback, and of course the Vikings do with Teddy Bridgewater. Is one, how are they going to identify the blitz pickup? That's usually one of the things a rookie has to learn. How to shift your offensive line to deal with the to deal with the rush. How to identify the mic. That, of course, is something you. Hear I mean, Tony all Romo couldn't do it last week and in that, overtime. That's what I was going to say. Tony Romo really struggled with this last week because the Redskins did such an outstanding job defensively getting a pass rush on you know an offensive line that two weeks ago we were talking about as maybe one of the best or the best in the NFL, and obviously they really struggled protecting Tony Romo and Brandon Whedon for that matter on Monday night. Now you have a Redskins team fresh off a win, facing an inexperienced Vikings team and an inexperienced quarterback. I kind of like the, the the Redskins in this football game if they're able to get that type of pass rush once again. If they could put that pass rush, you mentioned it, on a rookie quarterback who has struggled picking up blitzes and has struggled in blitz packages from an offensive side, yeah, the Redskins have the upper hand. No, you're absolutely right, Dan. And you know, One final point on the Redskins. You're absolutely right. Cole McCoy... 
he's playing for a job because you know Robert Griffin the third is coming back any minute now. Yeah. There's talks that he might have been available this week, so we don't know what the status really what that is. We expect Colt McCoy for another week, but you know at some point when Griffin's back, he's going to get the job. So Colt McCoy has his opportunity here to play well and land himself an opportunity to still stay in the league going forward. And I don't think the Redskins are going to play Robert Griffin the third until he's a hundred percent. They don't want to mess with that at all. They, they did that could, last year. They did that last year. It screwed him. It might be a couple weeks till we see Robert Griffin III. Colt McCoy is going to get a chance to show what he could do. Absolutely. And then finally, Dan, getting to the 4 o'clock matchups, we have the Rams taking on the Niners, two teams battling it out in the NFC West. The Niners 4-3, and three, the Rams 2-5. and five. This is a game that the Niners have to win if they want to try and keep pace with the NFC playoff race. It is a, win they ha- it is a game they have to win. I, the 49ers, I just don't – I've had trouble – you know, you see great things from one week, and then you see a lot of – different things the other week defensively you know there's mismatches in the secondary offensively you, you see that you don't see the receivers and the quarterback Colin Kaepernick on the same page but then the next week you do you know I compare them to a team in the AFC like the Pittsburgh Steelers you know we've seen a lot of good things from the Pittsburgh Steelers and we've seen a lot of bad things from the Pittsburgh Steelers I think the Niners are in the same boat at four and three this is a must win for them if they want to stay in the race you're right this is the game they have to win they're competing in a very difficult division. Obviously, the Cardinals are already off to a two-game lead in that division. Then you have the defending Super Bowl champions that are also sitting right there at 4-3. Who, 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 who has lost to St. Louis. Yeah. So if you win this game, you could you know get a little upper hand on the defending champs. Absolutely. And once again, the Niners, this is a game they have to win. But the interesting thing about the Niners is their inconsistency. One week, they could look like this outstanding football team. The next week, they can implode. You never really know what type of team you're going to get, whether or not Colin Kaepernick is going to play well. And this defense, they're playing well despite all the injuries and obviously the Alden Smith suspension that they're dealing that, with. That really But that really them hurts them. The Niners have a good defense this year, but they had an outstanding Outstanding defense the past couple years. No, they've had an outstanding defense the last couple years, and you know, just from watching the games, they just don't look in sync in the secondary. Like a lot of teams in the NFL, but they they really have had trouble guarding downfield, especially on you know screen passes. They've had trouble making tackles at times. It's very uncharacteristic of, of a 49ers team, which we've seen gone to you know NFC Championship games and a Super Bowl. Very uncharacteristic of their defense. Best game of the week, Dan. Broncos at the Patriots. Brady versus Manning, and this matchup never gets old. It never gets old, and it should be fun to watch it once again. This is probably, in my opinion, the best game of the week. You talk about a New England Patriots team. Tom Brady came off an unbelievable day. He really was as good as he could be. And then you talk about Peyton Manning. You know what you're going to get with that offense. It should. The, 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 the thing I point out in this matchup is how good are the Broncos' offense going to be against this Patriots' defense, which is a Patriots' defense that's much better this year than it's been in previous years. Well, this is why you bring in Darrell Revis, because when you go to the playoffs, you're going to face elite quarterbacks, and that's why yeah, you brought him in. That's why he's here. They didn't have him last year when these two, when these two teams faced off in the AFC Championship game. We saw Brady have a—excuse oh, me, we saw Manning have an outstanding game that day, and now you have the rematch in Foxborough, and— this is a great time for this matchup. You have Peyton Manning who's probably playing as well as he ever has in his career. And then you look at Tom Brady after two weeks into the season, three weeks into the season, people were wondering if he was starting to fall off, which we said on the show how ridiculous that was. Tom Brady has been outstanding the past couple of weeks. This offense has been on fire. Gronkowski's been doing his thing. And now you have a matchup of two of the best teams in the AFC going at it. I'm really looking forward to watching this football game. Two of the best teams in the AFC. Two teams that, like you mentioned, Jake, could meet once again in the AFC title game. I'm really looking forward to it, Dan. And at the end of the day, how Denver protects Peyton Manning against this Patriots defense will be the factor. And 
how the Patriots go about attacking this Broncos defense because the Broncos have shown the ability to get a pass rush on the opposing team's quarterback. They did it to Rivers just last week. Yep, that's a good point. It's a good point. It should be interesting to see how that develops as the game you know rolls out. 425 Raiders at the Seahawks. The Seahawks are 14-point favorites against the 0-7 Raiders heading up to Seattle. Seattle's got to win. They, 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 they're gonna. I think they're gonna win. They can. This cannot be a trap game for them. They're at four and three. They cannot afford to lose to an zero and seven. Well, I think they game. win, but it's a matter of just for the sake of conversation. Do they cover the fourteen point spread? The only reason I say maybe is because it's at home. But I have don't you know you don't like what you've seen out of Seattle so far. There's been a lot of you know fourteen Seattle, points is a lot. You know, fourteen points yeah. is a lot, but you, the advantage the home field advantage. They still have a tremendous home field advantage. And coming into the season, what did we? What did everyone say about Seattle? What did everyone say about Seattle? You know, they're a flawless team, and they've had they've been anything but flawless. You know, through the first eight or nine weeks of the season. So, it, it's been it's been interesting to see how they've developed as a team and the and the issues they've had. It's a game they have to win. Have a football, to win a football game that. They can't lose. They really can't they lose. Can't, they cannot fall to 4-4 and four Imagine here. they lose to the 0-7 Raiders. It's not going to happen. They but cannot fall to 4-4 four and four here. No chance. And then finally, we've got our final game before we get to the Jets game and, of course, the Giants game who happen to be on Monday Night Football this week against the Colts. We have the Ravens at the Steelers. Sunday Night Football, this matchup, we just talked about how Denver and New England, Manning versus Brady never gets old. Well, till the test of time, Flacco versus Roethlisberger. And, of course, the Ravens versus the Steelers. So this is a great matchup. You have two teams coming in that are battling each other for division rights. And it's a game, once again, that is probably going to come down to who makes a play in the final moments. And how many times – that's a great point, How many times in the last four or five years have we seen these two teams come down to that final play? It usually usually happens. Whoever gets the ball last wins it. We've seen it happen in AFC Championship game. We've seen it happen in deciding games to decide divisions. Well, let's look at the head head for a second, Dan. October 20th, 2013, Steelers 19, Ravens 16. November 28th, 2013, that was a Thanksgiving game, if you remember. Right. Ravens 22, Steelers 20. The only time it was really a blowout was on September 11th this year. That was a Thursday night football game. The Ravens had 26. The Steelers only had six. And part of the reason I attribute that to what the score being at the time was, that was a Thursday night game, as I just said. Who was the home team? The Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens. And the Thursday night games, we've talked about it. It's just... it's given it's given the home team an advantage. It's given the home team a significant advantage, a more so advantage than they usually have. That's a story for a different day. But when you talk about these two teams, it has usually come down to that last possession, that one turnover usually costs a team a game. How good has Ben Roethlisberger been? And he last was week, great last week. Six touchdown passes. He was unbelievable. Five hundred something yards against a Colts defense that you know isn't great, but you don't think they'd give up six touchdown passes. I mean, I, I've never seen a quarterback play that well. I've not even Geno Smith. No, not even Geno. You know. And Big Ben has just been great. He kind of he's been having a renaissance season all season long. I think people kind of overlook Big Ben, but once again, if the Steelers get into the playoffs, you never want to face the Steelers in the playoffs. They got him. the veteran experience. They got the head coach that has two rings, and of course, Big Ben Roethlisberger knows what he's doing out there. He knows what he's doing out there. He's a, he's a champion, a two time Super Bowl. And I want to correct myself. Mike Tomlin has one ring, but he's been to the Super Bowl twice. One ring's been to the Super Bowl twice. Of course, they lost in 2011 to the Green Bay Packers, and a very tough loss, but. You know, this is a team where if they do get into the playoffs, they haven't been in the playoffs the last couple of years. If they do get into the playoffs, they could be they could be tough to beat. You're absolutely right. And 
The Ravens, we, we get on them every week. We're both not big believers in them, but once again, they find themselves sitting at 5-3 and three with an opportunity to go and win that division. They went 8-8 eight eight last year. 5-3, and three, and they came off an 8-8 eight eight season last year where Joe Flacco had a little bit of that Super Bowl MVP hangover. He's come back this year, and he's played very, very nicely. You know, for the most part, very turnover efficient. Hasn't turned over the ball as much as he did last year. That's a big reason why they're 5-3. and three. So that's going to do it for our Week 9 breakdown. When we come back, though, we're going to have your Jets breakdown. They're playing the Chiefs this weekend. Michael Vick is starting, of course. And the Giants are on Monday Night Football against Andrew Luck and the Colts. So we're going to obviously get to all that when we come back. This is the Football Frenzy Podcast. You are listening to the Asman and Butte Podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. We're back here on the Asman and Budic Show, Football Frenzy Podcast. Jake, jumping into the Jets-Giants a little bit, start off with the Jets. Monday, John Idzik had his press conference where he addressed the team, and he we really got nowhere. It was a, it was a circling of, of a lot of nonsense about the Jets fan base and Jets nation, quote-unquote. Hold on. Jet fans still wear Chad Pennington jerseys. They still jerseys. wear Chad Pennington jerseys. And they still wear Namath jerseys. And Wayne Corbett. And, and Wayne Corbett, And Wayne Corbett, yes. too. Apparently the Jets, basically what we got out of the first 20 minutes of the interview is that the Jets are the only team in the NFL that the fans wear old jerseys. I mean, that's pretty much what he, he tried to make it like Jet fans are special. because That's what you got. Jerseys. I got that the Jets might be the greatest 1-7 team in the history of the NFL. Well, that too. And what was really concerning, and we spoke about it with Rich Cimini when we had him on, there was really no sense of ownership by John. He really didn't, you know, he accepted it first, and he got really Defensive, and now uh, we're doing and you know everything we can, and you know it's a process, and we have a plan. Well, what's the plan? The team went eight and eight last year, which was nice. Looked, I hate the way he patronizes us fans. Like we're saying, like, like we're, we're, we have a plan. It works. So what's the plan? Why don't you Why don't you tell us what this plan is? If you're so knowledgeable on football, and you have such a such a proven track record, John Isaac has never done anything. John Isaac is not a players guy. But according he's, to he's him, a cap he's, guy. he's won before. It's, it, I, the idea that John Isaac was responsible for the way the Seahawks are right now and that drafting Geno it's, Smith it's in the ridiculous. second round is relatable it's to ridiculous. Russell Wilson. Going, it's, it, the whole thing is a joke. I, I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm tired of it. A couple weeks ago, and Rich Cimini made this point on the show, if you ask me when the Jets were probably maybe, let's say let's say when the Jets were 1-4, and 1-5, and five, would Rex Ryan be back next year? I'd say you're probably not. But I think Isaac would still be the GM and get his coach. John Isaac has been so bad at his job. And that press conference yesterday was so awful and shed such a bad light on this organization that if you ask me right now, if John, if, is John Isaac back next year? I really don't know. I say I think, I say what Samini said yesterday when he was on with us, probably about 50-50. Well, the big thing, the big reason why I'm, I'm so sold on him not coming back, and Jake, we, we've spoken about it a couple weeks ago. I was like, well, Isaac probably going to be back. It's, a, it's only his second year. Next year will be his third. He, the more you look at it, he came into a situation last year where the team had no cap flexibility. You know, he, he worked with what they had. He went eight and eight. I was very, you know, I was, I, I did not think they'd be an eight. I was team pleased last year. with what he very did last pleased, year. and I was pleased with the way Geno developed at the end of the season. You come in this year, and you say, wow. You got all this cap room. You could you could really fill holes. You got twelve draft picks. He left twenty one million dollars on the table that the Jets didn't spend in free agency. They had twelve draft picks, and five of them are on the roster. Five are on the roster. They did not do. A, he did not do a good job mind of, you at guys, evaluating players. Mind you, but this is a guy that came in saying that he wants to build through the draft. Well, it's very hard to build through the draft when you don't know how to draft talent. You don't know how to draft talent. And what has the Jets' issue been the last two two years? They have not produced talent outside of Sheldon Richardson, which was a phenomenal pick. 
They have not done anything. Hey, look at Calvin the, Pryor hasn't shown anything. Dean Milner can't stay on the field. Where, where is this Isaac draft pick? Jason Morrow looks like he could be a decent pro, but you really look at this Jets team. Where are the where is this ta- where is this town coming in? And the thing with Isaac that's going to probably drive him out of town eventually is the fact that this season alone, you go eight and eight the previous year, you come in with twelve draft picks. Dan, you just hit on it. The twenty one million dollars that could have been spent to make this football team better. I understand Geno Smith was developing at the end of last season. We felt confident in. Gino. I was okay with letting Gino be the opening day starter. I wanted to see what he could do. You didn't get him any weapons. You got him Decker. That's about it. It's not You're not that much better than you were in that department a season ago. You didn't get the secondary any help. You had an opportunity to bring back Antonio Cromartie, who, by the way, had two interceptions last week for the Cardinals. You didn't bring anyone in to replace Cromartie. You brought in, a, you brought, you brought in Demetri Patterson. It went AWOL. D. Milner got hurt. Dexter McDougall, their corner in the third round, got injured. And I don't want to hear people use that as an excuse either because what was a rookie quarterback t- cornerback taking in the third round going to do anyway? There were so many glaring holes with this team, and John Isaac didn't do anything to fix it. You came in with $21 million that could have been used on four or five players that could have really helped this football team. Hakeem Nix was available. Dominic Rogers cromartie was available. The list goes on and on yeah. about wide receivers who were there and corners who were there that the Jets could have brought in. Instead, Isaac dropped the ball, left Rex with a talentless roster and a, a lot of holes everywhere, and Geno Smith, at the end of the day, did not develop like we thought he would, and that's why the Jets are 1-7 right now. They're 1-7 You know, for a lot of the reasons you just mentioned. Their secondary is abominable. It is really, really bad, and I feel very sorry for Rex Ryan that you know, he is in a situation that's a lose-lose situation. It seemed like it was a lose-lose situation coming into the season with the talent this team had. It's very- here's the thing, though. Are the Jets bad? Yes. Are they 1-7 bad? I don't think they are. The problem is everything just snowballed. When they didn't beat the Packers, that was a, a game they, they should have got. When they lost to the Bears the next week on Monday Night Football, that was a game that they outplayed the Bears once again. They didn't win. The Detroit game, they were in the football game. Denver, you weren't going to beat Denver. New England, you should have won that football game. The Jets had so many opportunities this season to really shape up their record. Maybe they're not going to be an above 500 team, but they should be 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9 and nine at least. And right now at 1-7, Rex Ryan is probably going to lose his job. And right now, the way things are going, John Isaac should too. And I made this point when we interviewed Samini when we were wrapping it up. you got to ask yourself if you're Woody Johnson. Are the Jets any better right now than they were two years ago when Johnson t- when John Isaac took over the football team? They're not. They don't have a quarterback. Now they're not going to have a head coach. And your general manager hasn't done anything. He hasn't shown you the ability to be able to pick talent. As bad as John Isaac was at that press conference, if he was good at picking talent, you'd at least feel confident that he knows what he's doing. I don't feel comfortable with him running my team. No, you don't, and you look at the team on the field on Sunday – against the Buffalo Bills team, and Jake, we both picked the Jets to win that football game. I thought they'd come out, and I thought they, you know, after a game against the Patriots, which they, had, God I mean, damn, they, they almost had it. Eventually. They almost had it. I thought, you know what, they're going to get this win against the Buffalo Bills at home. Geno played well against uh, Gino played well against the Patriots. He looked good. He was completing the football. They didn't turn over the ball. He led the Jets down the field to tie the game on a field goal that got blocked. That you know, so I thought he played really well. You come in Sunday, and not only was he bad, that probably was the worst quarterbacking performance I have ever watched. You know, he had four possessions. He threw three interceptions. He was two of six with three interceptions. One should have been returned for a touchdown, which they ended up scoring a touchdown on. So it basically was a pick six because they scored on the next play. I mean, not only does that not give you a chance to win, I mean, any NFL quarterback, capable NFL quarterback, 
is not pull is does not throw three interceptions in their first. And here's four the drives. thing: as great as Geno was against the Patriots, didn't turn the football over, gave the team a chance to win at the end right there. You know, the bottom line is Geno Smith has now had two of these type of games where he's just imploded before the game really even started. I mean, he, he didn't even make a quarter. And now Buffalo, he couldn't even get past the first quarter through three interceptions on three straight drives. Geno Smith's most successful drive was a punt when the Jets went three and out. Yeah, no, because well, he turned it over the other three times. I mean, it just it was as bad as it gets, and I'm sorry. I understand that you know last week on the show we were talking about Geno Smith having talent to maybe be evaluated properly now. I've seen enough of these games from Geno Smith. To, what is it, 24 turnovers in... 31 games. That's all. It's, tw- it's 24 turnovers in 31 games. Just, that's ridiculous. That no, is, no. Uh, 30, uh, 31 turnovers in 24 games. I mean, games. that's even worse. That's even worse. That's 30, even worse. In, in 24 games, 31 turnovers. That can't happen. Mark Sanchez was not great with the Jets, but in his first two seasons, you saw a promise. Geno Smith has just been so bad. He's as been, bad as Sanchez he's been was, awful. And he's never been this bad. And you know what frustrates you even more? You know what really frustrates you? You look at the, you see the Idzik press conference. Where's the anger? You know, if I was running a team and my team was one in seven, I mean, I'm pissed off. I'm pissed off enough. I root for the Jets. They're one and seven. I can't imagine calling yourself a general manager of a team that's one and seven. I didn't see any anger in Idzik's eyes. And in the post game with Geno Smith, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get better. You know, getting better. I mean, he needs to get. I don't see anger, frustration. It's, I all, mean, it's over for Geno Smith in New York. No, it's I over. know, I know that. But it, you know, it's it's well, it's a process. We got to get better. What's a process? He was awful. He was abysmal. I mean, do you see better quarterback play in high school? It really is. It's sad because you just don't see the sense of ownership from anyone on the team. You just don't see that sense of ownership. The only one that has any sense of ownership is Rex Ryan, and he's the one that you least should have the sense of ownership. You feel sorry for him the most. You and he's dealt the worst hand in the history of the National Football League. You know what's funny, though? Think about this. This is New York. New York gets—you have managers. Joe Girardi gets a lot of criticism. Obviously, Terry Collins gets a lot of criticism. Tom Coughlin has two Super Bowls, and people were calling for his head because the Giants started 0-6 last year. Look at the managers and the coaches in New York. Mike Woodson was run out of town. Mike D'Antoni was run out of town. Go through the history of coaches in New York in recent memory. They get run out of town. Rex Ryan's team is 1-7. And they're getting and, and and people are people have sympathy for him. John Isaac has been so bad at his job that Rex Ryan has been a sympathetic figure. That's how bad John Isaac has been doing as the general manager of the New York Jets. Yeah, you know, Jake Chernock, our producer, does a great job. Obviously, every week gave us a, a quote here from Geno Smith after the game. A quote from Geno after losing his job. He just went on. He just went on with my day. That's what Gino said. Just went on with my day. Well, what did, what did he have for dinner? What did he do later yeah, on? Yeah, Go to the club is, that night. Is that his day? Well, you know, he he's you know, and that makes you think. You know, maybe the skipping on the meeting wasn't an act. Maybe this was. Maybe he's just is not as focused as we thought he was. And maybe that is the case that he is just not. He doesn't put in the time. Obviously, Rex is going to say every week the guy puts in the time. Rex is, will never throw one of his guys under the bus, nor should he. But maybe Gino just hasn't put in the time and effort to, to improve. I here's don't know. The, here's the thing that really annoyed me with the Isaac press conference and what Rex Ryan always says. And I get that Rex is mainly Isaac because I understand that Rex is in no position to be ripping his own players when he's fighting for his job. And obviously he can't say that he has no talent on this team because John Isaac is his boss and will likely have a say in whether or not he's back the following season. But what Isaac said that really bothers me is how this team is working hard, making it seem like the Jets are about a player or two away. When you're 1-7, well, we're so close. This is halfway well, through the well, what season. what do we hear? We're we're so close. That, close to w- what? Winning a football w- game? Or, or, win- or not turning the football over. I, I don't know if he means or catching a ball, completing a pass for a first down. He, he said they're so close. He, what John Isaac was saying was basically saying, 
Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Like, are you kidding me? You can't just get rid of the turnovers. You can't just ignore <laughs> good, the fact that this team is no, one and seven right now. I, I'm just tired of hearing about how great this team is and how they're working hard and how committed the players are. At the end of the day, your job as a general manager well, he, is to bring then, talent, and, then and you he, haven't done so. And then another thing that was really frustrating is he goes on. He's like, "Well, you know, I know you guys, you're super, but you're not there at practice. You don't see how hard these guys work. I don't care if I'm not there at practice. I watch the games and I want to rip my eyeballs out. They suck." They suck. What do you mean we're not there at practice? I don't want to be there at practice. I don't want to watch this garbage. <laughs> do they even practice? Do they even practice? I don't know if they practice. I, I, it, it's awful. It really is awful, and it's embarrassing to watch. And I, You thought you'd get a little more out of that Idzik press conference on Monday, and you just got... Just he doesn't seem to really have really there's no sense of ownership on his part because he put this mess together. And at the end of the day, Dan, we'll, we'll leave it at this before we get to the Giants and their matchup against the Colts. Michael Vick, of course, is starting for the Jets this week. Any expectations for him? You know, like Rich Samini said when we had him on, it's going to be tough for Michael. I mean, he, he he the only thing I like is he he showed a little glimpses of, of what he could do with this offense last week. You see him in a game in Kansas City with a full week of practice with the number ones, and I think. That's the only thing you can hang your hat on. Yeah, that's the only thing. He, he does get that opportunity to play a full week in practice with the starters. But what's great about the Chiefs is their pass rush. The Jets' offensive line has not been very good so far this season protecting the quarterback. Michael Vick, the one thing you have going for him, I guess, is the fact that he can run the football outside the pocket. They're going to need a big game from him if they want to compete. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the Jets are just not a very good football team. And obviously starts up top with Isaac. And, of course, with the head coach Rex Ryan, his future's on the line as well. Time will tell with the Jets right now, but things are not good at one seven. Obviously, time will tell, and it's you know it should be a very depressing last you know eight seven eight games of the season. So now we'll talk about the Giants. Obviously, transitioning to their matchup on Monday night. Giants at three and four, coming in off their bye week. The Colts. We talked about this game a little bit earlier. They had a matchup against the Steelers last week, and we talked about how. Big Ben just had a monster game with his six touchdowns, the 500 yards, everything that he did in that game was just phenomenal. And you have a Colts team, 5-3 and three right now, obviously a very good football team. They lead the league in passing yards because of Andrew Luck. Luck's coming in against a Giants team that's been pretty inconsistent defensively against the pass. They've been very inconsistent defensively against the pass, but when I look on the offensive side of the ball for the Giants, I think they're going to have a nice game offensively. I think Eli's going to be able to throw the football where he wants it. I think we saw that with Ben Roethlisberger last week. Very unimpressed in what I've seen this you know, the last couple weeks out of this Colts defense. I think Eli Manning and the offense can have a successful night. Colts come in, obviously, scoring 31 points per game. The Giants have been allowing 24 points per game. It's a matchup of how the Giants' defense will do against the Colts' offense, but what really needs to happen is Eli Manning in this offense needs to be able to put up some points. You saw the Steelers put up 51 last week. The Giants need this football game. I got news to people that think the Giants are making the playoffs. They don't win this game. They drop the 3-5. and five. You then have Seattle coming up on your schedule, and then you have San Francisco, and then you have Dallas once again. You have three tough games coming up if you don't win this game. I remember a couple weeks ago we talked about the six-game stretch that the Giants were going through, and if they went 3-3, three and three, you'd sign up and take it. That was when, of course, they had the Eagles. They lost that game. Dallas, they lost that game. Now they're coming in off the bye week, and they're facing a very good Colts team coming in off a tough loss to the Steelers. The Giants are serious about winning winning games and making the playoffs. This is a game they have to win at home. This is a game they, ha- they this is a must win for the Giants at home because you mentioned it. You start spinning out to three and seven, three and eight. You know, obviously your your season's lost there. This is a stretch, and th- and this is a game because you mentioned it going to Seattle. I, I mean, I don't care how bad Seattle is playing. Let's say the Giants. You're not winning that game. game. So they're at three and five. They lose this game. Uh, excuse me. They lose next week to Seattle. You're now at three and six. Then you have San Fran and Dallas coming. 
could start the snowball. Don't. I always worry when teams start to go on losing streaks, can it snowball? Giants, last year, it did snowball. They started 0-6. So this is a game that if they're serious about getting back on track, making the playoffs, they got to beat this team. The Colts are probably the best team they're going to face, you know, or the easiest team, I should say, that they're going to face during this stretch if you factor Absolutely. in Dallas, again, a divisional matchup, and, of course, San Fran and Seattle, two teams that are in the playoffs every single year. And, of course, we all know Seattle won a Super Bowl a season ago. So this is a matchup that the Giants have to win if they're serious about getting back on track and making the playoffs. I think the Giants, though, I think this game comes at a great time after the bye week. I think the bye came at a great time for the Giants. They're going to be refreshed at home Monday night. I think they're going to put up a lot of points. Defensively, that's the question mark for the Giants. And the Giants haven't been a good... If you really look at the Giants, we've made this point before. They have not beaten a good football team all they season long. Like a very good football team. They've beaten the Texans. They you know, have been very inconsistent with some of their games against better opponents. It's a game they have to win if they're serious about making the playoffs. Absolutely. This is a, this is as close to a must-win as you get when you look at the schedule coming up. And then obviously for the Giants, it starts then, you mentioned it, with the offense. Eli Manning, the game that he has dictate will dictate the how the Giants do in this football game. I truly believe that. If they have long scoring drives and they keep luck off the field, you can exploit the Colts' defense just like the Steelers did a week ago, and you put your team in a position to win a game late. It's going to be up to that Giants offense. Well, and their defense, too, but I think they're going to have a nice day offensively, like I mentioned before. I don't like this Colts' defense. They struggled a lot against Ben Roethlisberger last week, and I think Eli Manning could have just as good as a day. So that's going to do it for our New York football segment, of course, the Jet breakdown, more like a Jet Rams as usual, and of course the Giants, we just broke down their matchup against the Indianapolis Colts. Once again, that game's on Monday Night Football, so you know the whole nation's going to be watching that one. But when we come back, we're going to bring on our producer, Jake Chernock, for this week's Buy or Sell. All right, we're back here on the Asmund and Budic Show, Football Frenzy Podcast, week number nine. It's buy or sell time. We bring on, as we always do, our main producer, Jake Chernock. Jake, how are you? I am doing just swell, guys. How are you doing? Doing great. You know, we got some good topics to debate by ourselves. Obviously, we talk about the Jet. Jake's also a Jet fan, so he feels the misery. Oh, the suffering. The suffering. The real suffering. It's been a great year at 1-7, and seven, and... Speaking of the Jets, our first buy or sell is Percy Harvin is a Jet in 2015. I think it's a sell. I don't think he's back. I don't think they pick up the contract with a new GM, new coach. I don't think Percy's back next year. I'll actually buy that, but not on this current contract. I think after the year, uh, after the year, they'll, re- they'll uh, rework the contract and get that deal done. Because honestly, right now with Decker and Harvin and Jeremy Curley, they actually have a pretty competent group of wide receivers. I'd love to see whoever the new quarterback is with that group. Of, uh, uh, with that group wideouts. I'm going to buy it as well. I think you only give up a six-round pick for this guy. you got to let it play out, and you got to get him a quarterback, of course, to go with Decker and Curly, Jake, as you just mentioned. And then let's not sleep on Jason Morrow. The Jets actually have some offensive talent right now, but at the end of the day, it's going to obviously depend on who's playing quarterback for them next season because, you know, it won't be Geno Smith. So I think Percy is back. I think that though his cap hit is about $10 million next season, we've seen over the past that a lot of guys can renegotiate that cap hit to get it lower. He won't lose any money from it, but his base salary affecting the cap, that will change a little bit. So I do see Percy Harvin back in 2015 with the Jets. Next on the buy or sell, Cardinals will win the NFC West this year. 
I'm going to sell it. I still think that Seattle is going to end up winning it. I think that Seattle still has two head-to-head matchups against the Cardinals, and that could be the difference in this game. Of course, you still have the Niners, but I do see the Cardinals making the playoffs, so I think they'd make it as a wild card then, obviously. I'm gonna. I, I'm still gonna have to sell it though. I, I I like the Cardinals. I think they're a good football team. But at the end of the day, I think when Seattle starts getting on a roll, they're gonna be back to what they were a season ago. I agree. Uh, I I'm gonna sell it. I don't think they're winning the division. I think Seattle at the end of the day is still the defending champions. And I think there's a lot of time left for them to get back on track. I do think the Cardinals are gonna get in the playoffs. So and I do think in the playoffs they're a serious threat. I'll sell that as well. Wow. Unanimous sell. How, how often do we see that? But yeah, no, absolutely. I'm going to sell this as well. I still think Seattle is the best team in this division, really the best team in football. They'll get it together at some point. They're just, quite frankly, too good not to. And finally, Mike Smith will be fired after the season. A bye. He's not coming back. I mean, 4-12 and last year. They're 2-6 and right now. That's tough to bring back, especially when they've gotten into the playoffs. They, they really haven't had much success outside of one year when they got you know, when they won a playoff game. Outside of that, they haven't really done much. I just don't see them lasting after this. Yeah, they were one drive away from the Super Bowl two years ago. That's right, they they were. They were one drive away from the Super Bowl one. What was it, a last-second touchdown there? I mean, it was I mean, just a dramatic game, obviously, there uh, in Atlanta. But, yeah, no, I'll buy that as well. I think there's just no way that they can survive, that he can survive this just another bad season here with so much talent on this roster, especially at the quarterback position. What the Jets would do to have Matt Ryan at the quarterback position right now, I don't even know, but it would be something probably pretty scary. Well, it's unfortunate because this defense is just so bad for Mike Smith and this Falcons team, but... I agree with you guys. I'm going to buy this as well. I think Mike Smith is gone. I think when you look at this team, they went 4-12 and last year. They're 2-6 and right now. They haven't had a lot of success in the playoffs, as you guys just mentioned. At the end of the day, you know, this team should be better than what they are right now. They're at 2-6. and six. They were on hard knocks. They were talking playoffs. They were talking possibly Super Bowl, which I, at the time I didn't think they had a shot with this defense. But I didn't think they'd be this bad. I mean, we said the same thing. Who thought 4-12 and 12 yeah. last year? Well, last year they had a lot of injuries. No That's true, too. But, but this year, Julio Jones is healthy. Roddy White is still there. He's not playing very well, but he's still there. You have Matt Ryan. This defense has just been so bad for this team. It's really failed them. And at the end of the day, Arthur Blank, you saw how upset he was in the way they lost to the Lions when they were in London just last Last week, I don't think Mike Smith has a shot of being back next season. I don't really care how this team finishes. I think the only way Mike Smith is back is if somehow they make the playoffs and they win a playoff game. I think it's been that bad for Mike Smith and this Falcons team. I agree. That's the only way he comes back. Listen, this is his, what, eighth season there? Outside of that one year, you mentioned it, when NFC Championship appearance, where every every year we seem to be talking to them as a serious threat, they're one and done in the playoffs. So I, I just don't see him lasting 4-12 and last year, 2-6 and right now. You just said it. It's going to take a playoff win to, to keep him alive, and who knows if they even get there. It might be time to make a change in that locker room. Sometimes you need a different voice to kind of reinvigorate the room and get everybody going again, especially after two such terrible seasons. I mean, not even just decent seasons. I mean, if you go 8-8 eight and eight, you miss the playoffs, that's one thing. But 4-12 and 12 and that 2-6, and six, that's a totally different concept altogether. I don't think he'll survive this. I agree with you guys, and that's going to do it for the buy or sell. But speaking of Jake Chernock, his four-down segment comes up right now. Now it's time for Four Downs with Jake Chernock. On first down, the Arizona Cardinals have been one of football's biggest surprises this year. Only the New England Patriots have a better turnover differential than the Cardinals this season. The Cardinals have forced 14 turnovers this season, which is four shy of the NFL lead, but they've also limited their own mistakes. Only the Broncos have committed fewer turnovers than the Cardinals this year. On second down, Colt McCoy had a breakout game and led the Redskins to an overtime upset of the Cowboys on the road. 
McCoy completed 25 of 30 passes for 299 yards and ran for his first touchdown since the 2010 season. McCoy went 5 for 5 for 49 yards in overtime and led the Redskins to the go-ahead field goal. On third down, DeMarco Murray became the eighth player to reach 1,000 rushing yards within his team's first eight games of the season after he rushed for 141 in the loss on Monday. The Elias Sports Bureau notes that the other seven players to get to 1,000 in the eight games were Adrian Peterson, Jamal Lewis, Terrell Davis twice, Barry Sanders, Eric Dickerson, O.J. Simpson twice, and Jim Brown also twice. Finally on fourth down, Ben Roethlisberger threw for a Steelers record 522 passing yards and six touchdowns in the win last Sunday. The 522 yards ranked fourth in NFL history, 32 shy of Norm Van Brocklin's record set in 1951. The Elias Sports Bureau notes that he's the second player to have at least 500 passing yards and six touchdowns without throwing interception. With the four downs, I'm Jake Chernock. All right, thank you, Jake Chernock, for this week's four down segment. But now our favorite part of the week, we're going to get into, you guessed it, the pig skin pickums. And before we get into it, let's make sure we read off the updated standings as we head into week number nine. I'm currently at 17 and 13. I went two and three last week. Dan, you are a game behind me, or two games behind me, I should say, at 16 and 14. No, that's only a game. My math is awful. You, you are at 16 and 14, and you went two and three last week as well. So we're both looking for some bounce back weeks. First game we're going to pick, the Jets at the Chiefs. Jets, 10-point dogs on the road. You know, normally 10, point, 10 points is tough uh, on the road for the Jets. I think Kansas City is going to win the game. I, I don't think the Jets are going to win this football game. The only prayer I think they have is Michael Vick getting, like we mentioned before, a full week of practice, full week with the first team reps. I just don't think they're going to win. You, they get a couple, the whole point of this is you got to pick with the spread, my man. I, I know, and I said I think Kansas City is going to win it with the spread. Well, you, okay. Dan, Dan has I made his claim. I think the Jets are going to get blown out. I'm taking the Jets because I do it every single show. I've been right like maybe twice this season, but I'm not going to back down doing it because the minute I change and pick the other team, I'm going to lose that week. So I'm going to keep riding with the Jets and hope for the best. Ten points is a lot, but the Jets have been in a lot of close games aside from two of them, the San Diego game and, of course, last week against the Bills. I think Vic with a full week gives the Jets an opportunity to at least remain competitive. I think they can cover 10 points. I think it's within you better hope. Maybe, a, maybe a touchdown. I think the Jets cover that. Next game, Colts at the Giants. This is the Monday night football game. And Indy coming in on the road. He's still a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and I'm going to take him. I don't trust this Giants team. Until they beat a good team, I'm not going to pick the Giants. And I think that though, even though the Giants are at home, I don't trust this defense against this Colts offense, especially when the Colts are coming off a game where they got beaten a lot over 50 points to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm going to take the Giants in this one. I think coming off the bye week, a couple of tough losses at home. I think they're going to win the game. I like the way their offense matches up against an Indianapolis defense that played very poorly just a week ago. Ravens at the Steelers. Pittsburgh is a one-point favorite at home, and I'm going to take the Steelers here. The Ravens got the better of them the first time. I think the Steelers win the second matchup. They're at home. They're playing well. They come in, as we just talked about with the Colts, and they're scoring 53 points. I don't trust this Ravens team. I don't trust this Ravens defense. And I think at the end of the day, when you look at two 
good divisional teams. Usually they split. I think it's time for the Steelers to get a win at home. You took the words right out of my mouth, Jake. Historically, these two teams split. I think this uh, history is going to hold true here. I think Pittsburgh's going to win the game. My second or my first of two wild cards, Chargers at the Dolphins. San Diego is a one-point favorite on the road. I'm taking the Chargers. I don't know what the Dolphins are. The Chargers obviously started 5-1. and one. They've lost two straight. We talked about it earlier, of course, when they played the Chiefs and then the Denver Broncos on Thursday Night Football a week ago. I think the Chargers get back on track. I don't like the Dolphins. They're too inconsistent for me. And I think Phil Rivers is a nice day down on the song. My wild card game, the first one, I have Cincinnati at home against Jacksonville. Cincinnati, 11-point favorites. You know what? I'm feeling happy. I think they're going to cover the spread at home. They need to win the game. It's a must-win for them against an, uh, a Jacksonville team with only one win on the season. I think Cincinnati's going to win. My final wild card before we wrap it up, the Redskins at the Vikings. Cole McCourt played very well. I, I think he has another nice game. They have a young quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater might struggle to try and make plays offensively when they're facing such a good pass rush. We saw Tony Romo get rattled last week by this Redskins defensive front. I think Teddy Bridgewater might struggle as well. Give me the Vikings plus three on the road in Minnesota. Yeah, my second wildcard game, I got the 49ers at home against St. Louis. It's 10-point spread. I know it's in San Francisco. I think St. Louis is going to lose the game, but I think they're going to cover that 10 points. So that's going to do it for this week's Pigskin Pickums. Once again, thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you to our producers, Jake Chernock and a whole cast here. We're going to introduce them as we go along. But for Dan Budick, I'm Jake Hasman saying so long. Everyone enjoy their week nine of the NFL season. Thank you for listening to the Asman and Budick podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.